guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Um, I have a little mm, secret to share with you. It's not really a secret because it's pretty, everyone kind of knows. I try to keep it a secret, but I think everybody knows. And this secret that I want to tell you is that I am just, I'm a, I'm a, hu- I'm a huge nerd. And... You're thinking, oh, that's fine. Like you, you're a huge nerd. That's okay. No, I'm, I'm like read thousands and thousands of fantasy book pages kind of nerd. I am the kind of nerd that would rather play a six-hour-long board game than toss a frisbee. I am the type of nerd that watches anime in the original Japanese because how dare you watch the dub version? Get out of here. That is not the way that a nerd would watch that. I am the type of nerd that sees the new Lord of the Rings trailer and understands what they mean. When they talk about, there's no sun, but there's still light. Yes, guys, because the earth was lit with trees. It's fine. You'll get there eventually. Um, I listen to podcasts that are literally only about nerdy things, um, and I love to superheroes, um, which is fine. You know, this is all fine. And I'm also a musical theater nerd. That's a whole other thing. Talk to me if you are, too, because we will really connect on that. Um, What's really fun about the nerd community recently is that this little thing happened to us like 10, 12, 15 years ago now, um, called the MCU. And we are grateful for the MCU because what happened is that instead of us being this like little group of people that no one likes, we get to be cool now, guys. We get to be cool. Every year, at least one big blockbuster hit comes out where it's like, guys, it's cool to be a nerd now. And you know what Comic-Con is? Yeah, because everybody goes now because it's cool. All right, so it's very exciting um, that I, this weird nerd, love superheroes, and I'm a little cool now because I like them, and people ask me questions, and I'm like, I know that, and it's very, very fun. Something fun happening inside of that world of comic books and movies is the rise of the antihero. Does anybody know what this is? There's a couple of pretty famous antiheroes, right? We have, like, Wolverine. We have Deadpool. Um, we have everyone in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, we have... I'll say it, Iron Man is an anti-hero. I know some people say he's just a straight hero. Mm, no. And what are these anti-heroes? Well, these are people that like lack conventional heroic attributes, right? And I guess like by the end of their story, they're like, they've done some bad things, but at the end they're like, learn a lesson, and they're kind of good at the end. That's really what an anti-hero is. Um, there's a lot of them coming up. There's a new movie coming out that I will not see called Black Adam. Do I need to try to switch to a different mic? We're good? Okay. Uh, called Black Adam. I won't see it because I hate The Rock and I won't see any of his movies. So, that's fine. You guys know it's true and it's, he's the worst. Um, this is week two of a series that I'm calling Seaside Sessions because we're going to deep dive into books, into stories in the Bible that involve water because it's hot outside and like, why not? Right? Why not deep dive into water? Um, so this week we're going to talk about a guy some call a hero, some would call an anti-hero. Um, but hear me out and I fully believe it with my whole heart, that this man is actually just a villain, and it's my life's mission to get this ocean-exploring fish food of a man canceled, okay? I believe this with my full heart, that he is the villain of the story. That's right, this week we're going to talk about Jonah, so stick with me, we're going to talk about Jonah. Um, And I've already warned you, I'm a bit of a nerd, I'm a bit of a nerd, so we're going to, you know, deep dive into the Bible a little bit and get a little nerdy in there, so just be prepared, Um, so grab, you know, your goggles, grab your um, floaty And we're going to jump right into the book of Jonah. So before we actually get directly into the book of Jonah, we need some context for what's going on at this time. You know, there's a lot going on around it. So Jonah's home nation is the nation of Israel, God's, you know, chosen people, the main characters of the Old Testament. You'll hear a lot about them a lot. Um, 
And at this time in history, there was another nation dominating the lands around them. These guys were called the Assyrians, okay? Not the nicest people. Um, Israel had a pretty big beef with them. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of killing, um, maiming. There's a lot going on there. So they kind of hated each other. And um, one of their capitals slash important cities at the time, uh, you know, the Assyrians, was called Nineveh. Uh, I don't know what else to call it. It was capital slash important city. The history there is very confusing. And if you want to deep dive into it and tell me what exactly to call it, you can. But it took hours of reading about it, and I still don't know what to call it. So uh, since Nineveh is this important city, and Jonah and the Israelites hated it, like deeply hated it, they really wanted to see this city destroyed. And that's going to be important for later. And another thing you should know about Jonah, before we jump into this, is that he was a prophet, which means that he would give um, messages to the people of God from God. God would say, like, hey, say this to them. And he'd be like, all right, I'll say this to them. So we know about this happening at least one time. It happens in the, in the book of Kings. We hear about Jonah telling the king of Israel something. Um, but later on, we're going to find out that uh, he's not always the best at this. So let's start. Chapter 1, Jonah. Open up your Bible if you have it. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amati... I don't know how to say that word. So get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it. I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. I also can't say that word because of all the spit in my mouth. Uh, He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. There's too many shishes in there, you know? Okay, so right from the beginning, we can see that maybe Jonah isn't the hero of the story. Don't be like Jonah. Just don't. Don't be like Jonah. Okay, that's where you're going to hear that a lot tonight. Um, God gives him a command, and he goes literally in the opposite direction. Um, it's like when people try to get me to go see the Minions movie. I say, no, thank you, and I walk in the other direction. <laughs> Same thing with Jonah here. God said, go tell the people of Nineveh this, and he said, no, thank you. Nineveh is a landlocked city to like the Eastish area, and Jonah got onto a ship and went, to the westish. She's like literally the opposite direction of where the city is. And then this is where things take a turn for our boy uh, Jonah here. Their storm comes out of nowhere and he's sleeping in the boat and it's sinking. He's just down there sleeping and the boat is sinking and the captain of the ship knows something's up, right? He's like, this isn't a normal, like this came out of nowhere. This storm is crazy. He's played a lot of Sea of Thieves so he understands how the ocean works like me. Um, so he's like, something's very wrong. So he he and the other men are all praying to their gods, and then they realize, like, wait a minute. There's one thing different about this trip, and it's that guy sleeping in the bottom of the boat while there's a storm going on. So they get Jonah out, and they ask, hey, who are you? And this is what Jonah says. He says this in verse 9 of chapter 1. He says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Now, when it says, you know, he says this, and it says, um, the men were terrified when they hear what, who Jonah was. They're like, what? We, they figured out who he was, and they fear God, the God who created everything. And they asked Jonah, yo, wh- what should we do? You know, like, obviously, your God is doing this, so we need to do something. What should we do? And Jonah replies, yeet me into the sea, please. And they're like, that can't be, that can't be true. So they kind of, like, keep going, but the storm's going, and they realize, like, okay, we're all going to die if we don't do something. So we might as well just, you know, throw this guy into the ocean. So they do. And Jonah's like, I did it. I'm definitely getting away from God. Like, this is how badly Jonah didn't want to do this thing, right? He was like, I did it. I'm going to just die in the ocean. So he's just like floating down. I can see him like arms wide, eyes closed, like with a little smirk on his face, like, gotcha. And then God pranked him so hard. God's like, nuh-uh. And then a fish came and ate Jonah, just swallowed him whole. And now Jonah is just in a fish. 
That's where we're at in this story. Jonah in a fish because God pranked him so good. Um, so let's stop here for a second. This feels like a great place to stop, like Jonah's in a fish now. Um, so we can kind of see from the beginning that Jonah's the worst, right? He's obviously not um, paying attention to what's going on. Don't be like Jonah. Now, on the boat is where we start to see Jonah's, like, worstness start to shine. You know, like, is he really the worst? Yeah. This is where it starts to shine. Uh, this, when the sailors ask who he was, he answers with some condescending nonsense. He understands that these people are pagan sailors and that they most likely don't worship the same God as him. They worship some other gods. And he also knows that they aren't Hebrews, right? So when he responds, saying, like, I am, you know, a Hebrew, I serve the Lord, he's, it's a condescending tone that he's using, um, He's basically saying, oh, who am I? Well, I am a Hebrew, the best of all of the people who worships the one Lord, the true God, you dumb idiots. That's what he's saying to them, right? And like, he is talking down to them. Meanwhile, he's running away from the God that he's saying he serves. Um, And that is some big nonsense here. Jesus has something to say about this type of behavior in Matthew chapter seven. He says this, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye and you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I've said it many times. I'm going to tell you again, Jonah is not the hero of the story. And I would go as far as to saying he's not even the anti-hero. He is just the straight up villain of the story. Uh, Many people describe this book as like a satire with exaggerated characters in insane situations to emphasize really what's going on here and about how stupid these people are. And Jonah is one of those really stupid people. So that's what we're meant to understand here is that Jonah, not necessarily the greatest. Obviously, don't be like Jonah. Don't be a hypocrite. One thing we can learn off right from the bat is don't be a hypocrite. And that basically means that you claim to have moral standards or beliefs but then your actions don't line up with what you say, with what you believe. Jonah is the reason for the storm. He knows better than to be running away from God's call in his life, but he still judges the other people on the boat. He sees himself as better, and because of what he claims to believe, he thinks he's better than them, but his actions don't line up with what he's saying. Meanwhile, the people on the boat, when they hear who he is and realize what's going on, it says that they fear the Lord when they find out who Jonah was. They're doing a better job than Jonah at following God. This is literally Jonah having a log in his own eye and pointing out the speck in other people's eyes. I don't know how you guys feel, but it is easy for me to do the same thing. It is very easy for me to point out the specks in other people's eyes while I have this huge log sitting in my own. It's easy to quickly point out and judge the sin or perceived sin in other people's lives instead of addressing the sin in your own. Because it's easier to point out someone else's problem than to actually deal with what's going on in your heart. Um, Like, why deal with that, you know, little porn problem when you know for a fact that there are people around you that are doing stuff outside of marriage that they're not supposed to? Like, who cares about this one thing because I see this? Uh, Who cares if I, you know, white lie every once in a while when I know for a fact there's a bunch of other people that curse all the time? I don't know. I'm really bad at examples, but the Holy Spirit is great at convicting. Um, so I know right now you're probably thinking of something that you're like, yeah, that's, that's the log in my eye that I need to get taken care of. Um, so you have to deal with the log in your own eye before dealing with others. It's like in an airplane. Uh, when, it's, when it's going down, you've got to put some oxygen masks on. They always say put your oxygen mask on first before helping somebody else. So look at your own eyes, see what's going on in there, deal with the logs in your own eyes. 
Do we need to pray like King David prayed in the Psalms? It says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. King David prayed that way. And we get to pray that way too. We can do that at any point. We can do that every day. In fact, I encourage you to pray this way every single day. And as you pray this way every single day, the Holy Spirit is going to show you things. He's going to say, hey, this is the, this is the log in your eye today because it's going to change. There's going to be something always because we are always learning. We're always doing better. We're never going to be perfect until the end, but we can try to do better every single day. And when we pray this, God will point out stuff in our lives, but then we have to take action and do it. So pray like King David, don't be like Jonah. All right, back to Jonah in the story. Uh, summary so far, uh, God told him, he said, nah, he got in a storm, now he's in a fish. Okay, that's where we're, that's where we're at. Last, last checked, in a fish. Um, chapter two is basically one long prayer. It may seem a little confusing, but it is just one long prayer where Jonah is inside of this fish and he realizes, he's like, all right, I'm in a fish. I might have messed up a little bit. He like starts to realize like, this might not be where I should be inside of this fish. Um, so he prays an apology prayer, but he never actually like says he's sorry. He just like says a bunch of words and it's just there. He's just like vomiting out words. And don't be like Noah, say sorry when you're apologizing. But what he does do is he tells God that he will fulfill his vow and God's like, okay, fine. You can get out of this fish. The fish is gonna just toss you onto the shore, I guess. And then he begins his long trek to Nineveh. So Jonah makes his way to Nineveh and when he gets into the city, he puts the absolute least amount of effort into his proclamation, right? God told him exactly what to say. And he's like, that's, like, all right, like, I'm going to literally say that and then get out. So he just says this in uh, Jonah chapter 3. He says, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's it. That's all he says. He's the least amount of effort possible because, remember, he doesn't want to do this. He's only here because he was in a fish. And now... He's in a city where he's, where he's doing this. So he puts the least amount of effort into this as possible. Um, and here's where we are introduced to the king of Nineveh. Now, up until this point, everything in the story is kind of pointing to the fact that the king of Nineveh is going to be the bad guy. That he's going to be this person that we're like, oh, you don't want to be like him. He's a truly awful person. But then God turns everything upside down. And when the king of Nineveh hears Jonah's message, which is so simple, he fears God just like the sailors do. So honestly, if we're going to be any person in the story, be like the king of Nineveh. Don't be like Jonah. Remember, Jonah was never actually sorry. He was basically forced to do what God asked, but because God put him in a fish, and he was like, I guess this is what I'm going to do. Um, but this is what the king of Nineveh says when he hears this message. He says, No one, not even the animals from your herds or flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. The king is so upset and he's so apologetic for what he's done that he turns from their violence. He turns from a wicked way and he asks God for forgiveness. And he says, maybe God will forgive us. And guess what? God does because God always forgives. God always gives us mercy. But don't be like Jonah because he couldn't even be sorry for a second. He never said what he did was wrong. He just went back and started you know, doing what he had to do because he had to. How often does God point out sin in our lives and we just shrug it off like Jonah does? How many times have you heard someone say something and it stirred the little like, voice in your head that says like, hey, the way you're living, what you're doing, how you're acting is wrong, not honoring God. You hear that little voice and you go, all right, and then just keep doing what you're doing. 
I know I've done it before. And what's interesting is that once you start to do it, it gets easier to do every single time. The more you ignore the voice of God, the easier it is to ignore the voice of God. You form a habit. You literal like pathways in your brain that say, oh, you hear that voice? Ignore it. And the more you do it, the more likely you're going to do it without even thinking. Like I said, I've been Jonah far too many times. And I'm 100% sure at some point everyone in this room has. So let's listen for God's voice because he knows what's best for us. And it's always best to just say yes immediately and take action. Really, don't be like Jonah. Okay, back to Jonah in chapter four. He says this, and um, well, he doesn't say this, but God sees the entire, like that Nineveh repented, right? And because of the repentance, he doesn't destroy the city, which is awesome. And this makes Jonah incredibly upset. Weird, right? He's like, okay, the city didn't burn, so I'm upset now, which is awful because Jonah is the worst, right? Don't be like Jonah. So Jonah hates these people so deeply that he yells and screams at God for not killing an entire city of people. He literally yells. He says, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. So just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. That's a lot, right? Like Jonah is so upset. He says all this. He screams at God, a bunch of nonsense. And then God responds with this question. He goes, is it right for you to be angry about this? Side note, I think we should probably ask ourselves that question more than we do. <laughs> like when you're feeling yourself getting angry, just be like, all right, should I be angry about this? The answer is usually no. Um, so just like remember that one. So God asks him, is it right for you to be angry about this? Jonah completely ignores this question. He goes, whatever, I'm not even going to respond to that. And he leaves the city and he just goes up on a hill like overlooking the city and just sits down. Um, and he's waiting for God to destroy the city because I guess he thought like, I screamed at God, so God's going to now destroy this city. Because, you know, Jonah's the worst. He's really not, um, you know, doing a lot <laughs> other than being the worst. That's literally all he's doing. And so... Jonah ignores this. He's up there. He's sitting. He's waiting for God. And then God decides, you know, I'm going to offer some more mercy to this guy. I'm going to try to teach him a lesson here. So God makes a plant grow and shade Jonah from the sun. Jonah loves this because it was hot. Like imagine today, very hot out. But he had the shade from this, from this like plant that God made grow, which is incredible. Everyone loves a plant. But then God has a worm come and then he eats the stem of the plant and the plant dies. On top of that, God's like, let's just add a little more like wind and heat to this to like make him a little bit uncomfortable. So now Jonah is sweating. There's a dead plant next to him and a worm and he's even more upset than before. He's like, I hate everything. So Jonah's upset and then God is like, all right, like what's going on? He checks in with him and <laughs> Jonah being very... Um, dramatic. It just goes, death is certainly better than this. So, you know, I, I get it. Like sometimes when it's really hot, I also feel that way. So like, I kind of understand where Jonah is coming from. Um, but then God asks him another question. God goes, okay, I put you through all this. This is for a reason. Let me ask you this question. He goes, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? And then Jonah, not getting it because obviously Jonah is the worst. Don't be like Jonah. Not understanding what's going on here. Just goes, um, yes, um, it's right for me to be upset. Even angry enough to die. That's why I'm, I'm angry. He says it again. He's like really into like being so upset that he's going to die. Uh, and at the end of the story, this is what God says to him. He just, God's like, all right, God, dude, whatever. Here's the last thing I want to tell you. He says, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. 
shouldn't I be sorry for such a great city? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where our story ends. Just ends like that, on a question. And it feels weird because we don't actually get a conclusion for Jonah. We just leave him there, upset, wanting to die, in like a desert, looking at a city, hoping God destroys it. And what does that even mean? Like, what is that for? Well, it means that he doesn't matter. Jonah, the worst. Don't even worry about him. The story shifts from God asking this selfish, arrogant, hypocritical, dramatic fish food of a man named Jonah if he is going to change his mind. It shifts from that to asking us, how are we going to respond to this important question? The whole point of the book is to illustrate how big God's mercy really is. How big his compassion and his ability to forgive really is. The people of Nineveh were bad people. They were. They were awful people. They did a lot of violence. They were killing people. It was, they were bad people, and they deserved to be destroyed. But God doesn't give us what we deserve. His mercy was so big that when they turned from evil, he accepted them and forgave them. Even though at the time they weren't even part of his chosen people. That's why this is such a big deal. He wasn't part of their chosen people, but when they turned from their evil ways, he accepted them in, just like he does for every single one of us. He still showed them mercy, and Jonah just didn't want to believe in a God that would do that. God is asking us if we really believe. Do we believe that God's forgiveness and his mercy is for everyone? Even the people we don't like. Even if that person you don't like is yourself. We are the same as every other human on this planet in one way. And it says in in Romans 3.23, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We are all in need of God's forgiveness. We are all in need of God's mercy because we all deserve his judgment. And this one fact should bring us together. Jesus asked us to tell the story to all people. God's story of forgiveness, the story of his mercy, the story of his grace, just like he asked Jonah to. This story is that one time sin separated us from God, but God in his great mercy decided to fix the separation so that we can have a relationship with him because he knew that this relationship would be life-changing. It would bring joy to the hopeless. It would bring peace in chaos. It would bring community inside of loneliness. He also knew that this relationship would bring us into the story that he's been telling since the beginning of time. A story he wants us to be a part of, that he wants you to be a part of. A story of forgiveness and redemption for every human. So to fix the separation, God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. But then three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, and now all we have to do is decide to put our faith in God and accept his gift of relationship with him. And when we do that, he sends the Holy Spirit to help guide us in this relationship, to help us see the planks in our own eye, to help us see those in need around us, and to help us take action. If you've never put your full trust in Jesus, now's the perfect time. He's in this room. He's with us right now. If that is you, all you have to do is pray. All you have to do is say, Jesus, you have it all. Put your faith and your trust in him. And he is going to offer you mercy. He's going to offer you a relationship with him that is life-changing. That's what he does every single time. For everyone else, now is the time to check yourself. Now is the time to pray that prayer that King David prayed. Because there's a little bit of Jonah in every single one of us. Jesus said in John um, chapter 13, he says, By this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So the way you act towards people is super important. Are you representing Jesus in every moment of your day? So when people look at you and see the way you act towards each other, are they going to see Jesus or are they going to see Jonah? God's mercy is big enough to cover everyone and we need to remember that and show people that. 
God sees you as perfect, as forgiven, as this child whom he loves so deeply, just like he sees everyone else. So who are the people in your life you are struggling to see like God sees? Who are the people that, like Jonah, maybe you don't want to forgive? Maybe you don't want God to forgive. Is it the kid that bullies you in school? Is it the poor kid, the rich kid that you think is the worst? Is it a Democrat? Is it a Republican? Is it a person at work that just can't seem to do their job? Is it a neighbor who yells at you? Is it someone who cares about COVID, someone who doesn't care about COVID? Someone from a different religion, from a different country, someone who listens to country music? A family member who hurt you? (laughs) Whoever it is, Maybe it's just someone who's really loud and you're like, I don't like this person. Whoever it is, they are a child of God and they are deserving of love. We can differ on a lot of subjects, but we can't differ on Jesus. We can't differ on his command to love one another and to be kind. I truly think that kindness is one of the like most underrated fruit of the spirit. That when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, that we're going to be kind. That is part of it. And I think it's time for all of us Jesus followers to actually see people the way God sees them. God sees past all the nonsense and focuses in on the heart of the person who desperately needs forgiveness and a relationship with him. So one last time, don't be like Jonah. See people like God sees people and do your best to spread God's story because it's the last thing that Jesus asked us to do, right? When he was here on earth, the last thing he said to us was this. He says, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If he was telling that to us right now, what he would say, he wouldn't say, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. He would say, your state, your town, your city, your social media accounts, and across the world. Spread Jesus. Spread the story of his love, the story of his mercy and forgiveness. It says that in Romans that we should do all that we can to live in peace with everyone. So are you being like Jonah? Are you seeing people the way that God sees them? Over the next couple of months, things are going to get a little bit more divided. Just heads up, welcome to the midterms. It's going to get nuts out there. So let's take a stand. Not for some political movement or a stand against some group of humans or a defensive stand against things we don't like. Let's take a stand in the middle of the mess and be more like Jesus and less like Jonah. Show everyone around us the love and the mercy of a God who cares deeply for everyone. Uh, In that verse where Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, right before that he says, Um, that the Holy Spirit is going to come and help us do that. And that's part of the reason why the Holy Spirit comes. Why we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, why the Holy Spirit is here, is to help us see people like Jesus sees people, to help us spread his word. So we're just going to take a little bit of time. I'm not going to take a super long time, but I want you to pray. Pray that prayer that King David prayed and say, hey, what is in my life? What are those logs that are in my life that I need to get rid of? Pray that you can see people the way that Jesus sees people. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, pray that the Holy Spirit will come and help you do that. So let's just take a few minutes and just pray this through. Pray what the next couple of months are going to look like. Pick a person maybe and pray for them. Pray about them. Ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit how you're going to witness to them. So let's just take a moment and do that real fast. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.